United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Hi. Hi. Um, you know... Hey, what's up? My name's Noelle, and I am peace and love to them. Peace and love to them, honestly. I am this boy genius shirt that I thought was embroidered, but is actually just puff paint and paid a little too much for it. I also thought that this was a genuine, like, real trees camo but it's actually just printed on. It's just a shirt that's been printed uh, on. Ah, you got caught. So you it literally cut. feels like shards of cardboard. Yeah, that, and I'm Chelsea. Um, I, our uh, roller derby uniforms that we got this year that look like the Lisa Franklin's were supposed to be embroidered, and then it was just sublimated. I was like, Ugh. It's like, what are we doing here, you know? Yeah, like, I'm not going to return it because it's cut. you can't return custom uniforms but i was like that's stupid yeah i wonder they're so cheap yeah also because embroidery is done by machines now it's not like you know carol's back there hand stitching it like it's literally a machine that does it in three seconds it almost seems more cost efficient to get something embroidered by an embroidery machine than to put it through a screen printing process which is basically all manual yeah yeah but you know who the fuck am I? Just some asshole who used to work at a screen printing store. And who am I? Nobody. <laughs> so, so what? We got what all we, bases covered what here. What are we fucking doing here? I don't know. I don't know, man. All I'm doing is just muting myself so I can burp up straight bile. That's Dude, what I'm doing. I'm muting myself so I can cough a fucking lung out of my body. So, yeah. just yeah. specimens of health. Head. Yep, just beautiful little petri dishes (laughs) our entire conversation before starting the podcast tonight was like let me eat soup Mm -hmm. and we'll see yeah so we're gonna try to bang this one out uh it should be a good episode though despite the banging yeah it's no fault of the episode that we are fucking falling apart the hinges but it's never the fault of the episode no we're always to blame always us um, okay, let's fucking, uh, let's get into it. Let's get yeah, into let's... it. Let me put my sweater on so we can get into the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, so for several weeks in 1952, a series of mysterious objects were observed zipping through the skies over Washington, D.C. And these sightings weren't reported by just a few isolated individuals. They were confirmed by radar operations, seasoned pilots, and other reputable sources. In response, the Air Force... Reputable or reputable? Is this like potato, potato? Is it? It feels like reputable. 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 Reputable does sound better. What did I say? Reputable? Reputable. I'm just putting emphasis where the syllables land, man. (laughs) Um, So it's giving. Reputable. uh, It's giving. uh, What do people in Utah say all weird and shit? Mountain. Crick. Crick. Mountain. Mountain. I can't even. Mountain. 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 You just say without you just say mountain without the T. Mountain. You put the T in the back of your throat and no one has to know about it anymore. Mountain. (laughs) You can see the mountain from Leighton if you stand in the right part of the creek. 
Prick is, I can never forgive it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. So, in response, the Air Force deployed fighter jets to intercept these flying saucers, but the objects easily outpaced them. And this phenomenon sparked a media frenzy across the United States, with sensational headlines and wild speculation becoming commonplace. And the U.S. was gripped by a deep-seated paranoia, a blend of suspicion and fear that infiltrated every aspect of life. The Red Scare was in full swing, and the American psyche was haunted by the specter of communism. Still is, baby. Yeah. (laughs) McCarthy never fucking left. Nope. And the country was on high alert for any hint of Soviet influence or domestic sympathizers, leading to a climate where accusations and fear-mongering, like those spearheaded by Senator Joseph McCarthy, were rampant. Oh, tomato, tomato, (laughs) I'm throwing tomatoes. Um, You want to know what's so funny is this episode started out as me trying to find really cool shit, um, like cryptids or folklore from the Middle East. And I don't quite know how I got here, but I think it was a jump of fear mongering about other cultures Mm -hmm. led me to the Cold War. That's how we got fucking here. (laughs) I was going to say a lot of left Um, turns. Yeah, there were a lot of left turns. This like most things, it started out with like a genuine interest in being like, hey, let's bring a little bit of uh, interesting culture from the area of Gaza so that we can maybe humanize some stuff. And it turned into communism. I mean, <laughs> what what a better, you know, perfect little theme and moral. We want to talk about how a country's political leaders and corrupt fascists can come together and dehumanize people. Um, you know, it all starts at McCarthyism for the <laughs> United be, States. Yeah. And don't worry, everyone. We're going to be talking about Germany for sure. Can't wait. So adding to this anxiety was the looming threat of nuclear war. The horrors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were not distant memories. And the thought that such destruction could happen on American soil loomed large in the public's mind. This fear was compounded by regular civil defense drills like the iconic duck and cover exercise in schools, serving as a stark reminder of the nuclear threat. Also, real quick, obviously we know duck and cover is fairy tales and fantasies, but Mm -hmm. they say if you're, and I don't remember the first part of it, which is probably problematic because it seems like the most important part, but it's about like if you see the mushroom cloud plume and you put your thumb up. It's like already too late. Like if you put your thumb up and if it's like your thumb is covering the entire plume, you're like, quote unquote, far enough away, I think is the Mm, thing. But you're supposed to just get as flat on the ground as possible. And then with your thumbs, plug your ears. And then with your hand, the rest of your fingers, cover your eyes because you want the uh, energy waves and sound waves to go over you. So you want to be as flat to the ground um, as possible. You know, so it's fucking wild to me. And I don't want to expose your secrets. Oh my God. What? It is wild to me that you will know what to do with your hands in the event of nuclear war. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're fucking genuinely gooped and surprised 
that by bringing an extension cord into your bathtub <laughs> so that you can put your phone while taking a bath would electrocute you, which it did. <laughs> and then you whole ass told me that you ha- didn't understand why standing under a tree during a lightning storm was very dangerous. <laughs> you fucking conundrum idiot. I can't believe you. <laughs> so lightning strike, oh my Noel's God. dead. Nuclear war fucking thriving i actually think that the thumb thing is from fallout okay well it doesn't matter what you learn as long as you know it yeah so well the more you know anyway but and apparently also don't stand under a tree in a lightning storm and even though uh you think that an an extension cord is plugged into a surge protector that doesn't mean if no. you're in the bath trying to watch a movie on your phone, but then your phone's dying no. and you plug it in and then it falls in the bath, <laughs> you won't get electrocuted. And uh, <laughs> if your apartment <laughs> is just, it has a chimney that is an open source fucking wormhole for bugs and where you literally hear crack addicts scuttling across your roof, you yes. don't have a surge protector, babe. You're being gaslit. You might literally be lit on fire by gas in that place and nothing will protect you. And also, let me show you this. If you're ever in a lightning storm and there's nothing around you, you're supposed to grab your ankles and you put your butt in the air. Because you want your butt to be the highest part. She just did a demo. She just did a demo. You hold your ankles because the, you and then you put your head down like this it's almost the same way you're supposed to like position yourself if you get stuck in the fairy world but you want the lightning to hit your butt and then you grab your that's ankles. also the position you take when you're uh <laughs> when you're what noel when you're getting back shots <laughs> <laughs> only if you have like super good balance because that would be hard on uh just on our old backs <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm uh, so sorry you're going to watch me and hear me. I have to do it. I'm so sorry, everyone. Speaking of the open fucking bug hole that is the unusable chimney in my house. Oh, where did it go? A beetle came in here and I have to <laughs> get it off of the mic. Are you going to stab it with a pencil? No, I'm putting it on the paper. Oh. That you're you going to kill it on Piece air. of shit. This is live. This is showbiz, baby. Sorry, there's a giant hole in my apartment that is literally open to animals and crackheads at all times, sister. Okay. Yeah, actually, it was real cool. So um, um, not to like super sideline the podcast, but Noelle's um, apartment was actually featured in a movie that everyone has seen. Uh, instead of actually carving a hole in the wall for Shawshank Redemption, they just used Noelle's fucking hovel hole. And uh, Andy yeah. Dufresne crawled through that. Yeah, so. it's true. Um, and that's why I'm I am a bit of a film buff to this day. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so safe. That's why she uh, pays way too much to live in squalor. It's yep. for the love of the game. So yep. we appreciate that. I'm an art historian. Mm-hmm. So anyway, speaking of art histori- <laughs> historian, Senator Joseph McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> so espionage tales added another layer of dread. The U.S. and Soviet Union were deeply entangled in spy games with high-stakes cases like that of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who were executed for allegedly sharing atomic secrets with the Soviets, fueling the paranoia. And amidst this backdrop, the UFO sightings, such as the famous ones in D.C., stirred the pot even further. These unexplained phenomena, often dismissed or shrouded in secrecy by the government, 
were sometimes viewed as potential Soviet ploys, deepening the climate of fear and suspicion. And the government and media were instrumental in shaping this atmosphere. Propaganda was rife, constantly hammering home the threat of communism and the need for vigilance against enemies, both foreign and domestic. And the media often sensationalized these fears, making an anxious, uh, anxious public even more wary. And all these elements intertwined to create a period of this intense anxiety and paranoia. It was a time when the American public was constantly on edge, fearful of external threats from the Soviet Union, and wary of internal subversion by communists. And amidst this turmoil, President Harry Truman saw answers. He discreetly reached out to Project Blue Book, the Air Force's covert team dedicated to investigating UFO sightings. But before any thorough investigation could take place, the Air Force hastily organized a press conference, and their aim was to calm the public uproar, attributing the sightings to mundane weather phenomena. And then it wasn't, or wasn't confined to major news outlets in major cities. Local newspapers across the country eagerly covered the story, often tailoring the national news to fit their format and adding local angles or interesting uh, asides. And some even included pieces about local UFO sightings or insights from notable figures like Albert Einstein on the topic. And in a bold move, one journalist even posed the question to the Soviets, inquiring if they had any involvement in these mysterious events. And newspapers at the time um, speared paranoia, turmoil, and fear with some excerpts provided by History.com. And below, Noel, let's take turns to read some of these headlines um, out loud. Okay. I will do the first one because your internet is choppy, bitch. Was it? Speaking of fucking government paranoia, you're telling me these satellites can't Wi-Fi? They're, they're <laughs> getting me. Monroe News Star, Monroe, Louisiana, page one, July 21st, 1952. The Air Force today. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! I can't. I don't have it in me. I, I only had a li I only had half a can of soup. I can't. I don't have it. All right. All right. I can't do it either. So um, the, <laughs> the Air Force today investigated reports that several, quote, flying saucers had been spotted by radar virtually in its own backyard on the outskirts of the nation's capital. Not only were unidentified objects seen on radar, radar indicating actual substance instead of mere light, but two airplane pilots, pilots and a newsman saw eerie lights fitting. Just what? Okay, cool. Fitting. Just fitting. The general does. Oh. I just had to read, <laughs> just had to read the rest of it. I was like, what are you fitting where, bitch? Fitting where next to you? <laughs> I'm just trying to like chug tea while you're reading. And I just see you struggling to rub the brain cells together to finish a sentence. <laughs> also, like, visually, the sentence is clearly not even close to being over, but I was like, where are these lights sitting? I'm. So Where fucking we lost these ignorant losers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, eerie lights fitting the general description of flying saucers the same night. Captain C.S. Casey, Pierman of Detroit, piloting Capital Airlines Flight 807, was careful in his report not to identify the objects as flying saucers because he had been got by the fucking government. Got, got the men in black got him. 
He described them as, quote, like falling stars without tails, end quote, but added, in my years of flying, I've seen a lot of falling or shooting stars, but these were much faster. They couldn't have been aircraft. They were moving too fast for that, which is literally shout out to 1952. The same fucking reports we got from the Tic Tac. Yeah. <clears throat> They're always the same, and it's always like pilots trying to not nuke their own career by being Mm -hmm. like, I'm not sure what these unidentified flying objects were. Yeah. But they were like, (laughs) I have no idea what they were. Instead of unidentified flying objects, they're just like, I bet if a bunch of people saw them, they wouldn't know what it is, but they would say it's a shape. (laughs) It's like giving the dude who just like strictly reads from a thesaurus to sound smart. Yeah, it's meeting yeah. the word count. They Casey, you're being it. kind of a bitch. Yeah. Just say what they are. Love him though. So mine is the Cedar Rapids Gazette from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, July 29th, 1952. This excerpt says, Radar showed that the air over the Nate's capital was full of flying objects early Tuesday, but an airliner directed to one of the radar sightings could not find a thing. The CAA, the Civil Aeronautics Administration, Spokesman said that the latest sighting showed as many as 12 unidentified objects on the radar screen at one time. And the sightings Tuesday were the third within two weeks. Classic. The Scranton Tribune, Scranton, Pennsylvania, July 29th, 1952. Excerpt. The Air Force disclosed today that jet fighters are under orders to maintain a nationwide 24-hour alert against, quote, flying saucers and to shoot them down if possible. That would scare the shit out of Good me. Good fucking luck. <laughs> Remember when we shot down, um, there was like all the UFOs last year and we shot one down and everyone like went back to being full patriots again. We're like, yeah, get it. Like it was in uh, Alaska, right? Yeah. And it was like the first time in forever. It actually was like a Chinese spy balloon. That's what <laughs> happened was, because yeah. like because <laughs> everyone was like, it's a fucking UFO. Holy shit. And then someone mm-hmm. was like, it literally like went over farms in Idaho and they were like, wait a damn minute. That's not yeah. a fucking UFO. That's a goddamn Chinese spy balloon. You, the way that we came together as a country to blow that shit out of the fucking sky, you, yeah. <laughs> you would have thought like it was. And by thought, I mean, probably that it was planted by the United States government to try <laughs> to rally camaraderie yeah. of America. Line sinker, baby. They were like, they literally went to party city and they were like, I need a dozen balloons. And then the 16-year-old working the counter was like, there's a helium shortage, so I'm only going to be able to give you two. And he was like, fine, whatever. Are they red? Can we fucking make them mm-hmm. red? And then he goes home and he draws like the Republic of China flag on it. And then he puts it in the sky and watches America come together. Yeah, that small window of time would have been the only time I would have willingly been drafted. Yeah, just like, for that. Let's go, baby. Moment. Yeah. Yep. I'll shoot even, it down. Even if we did plant it, I it's one of the few things that the government has done where I'm like, if that's where my tax dollars are going, okay. Yeah. I f- fully back it. Charge me another one percent. It's fine. I'll pay for the helium. Mm-hmm. Throw another balloon up there. Yeah. Um, just so long as like we go get it after. I don't want it, you know, I don't want the wildlife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want it to go in the ocean. Uh, are but. there any biodegradable UFO balloons? 
That's a great question. If there are biodegradable balloons that we could use to pass as UFOs to unite the country again as a united force. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cough medicine's kicking in. <laughs> the Daily Interlake from Kalispell, Montana, July 31st, 1952. Excerpt. It looked like a sphere, so deeply orange colored that it appeared almost like the shade of rust. It was silence. It's death. It was as silent as death. There you go. It was silent as death. It was moving too fast and evenly to be a balloon. And most persistent rumor is that Boeing Airplane Company in Seattle, Washington, is either making flying saucers or has been in charge of the engineering of the project. The rumor goes that very small parts of the saucers are being made by wisely scattered subcontractors and that the finished items are being assembled at some remote site. That would be in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Not fucking Area 51. Not Area 51, though. Don't let them lie to you. Uh, in the weirder category of rumors is the one that the saucers are either Russian-built or from another planet and that several of them have crashed or have been picked up by the Air Force. It goes on to theorize that the Air Force has been able to repair some of them and make them operate and at the same time is trying to build some of them just like their own, just like them. That's interesting. They're actually admitting it here. Yeah, it's also interesting because that backs every like anonymous black site report of not only do we have craft and bodies, but we have um, refurbished the craft. Yeah. But I mean... Montana's not going to lie. No. And also... Isn't it like obvious, right? Like after the Cold War, all of a sudden we just had this fucking tech boom. We literally went from the equivalent of like rubbing two rocks together and putting them up our asshole to Wi-Fi and fucking computers. And it's just like, and also the weapons technology. Um, We got, you know, like stealth fighters and shit that basically go fucking invisible silent mode. We went from basically peace and love to the Cold War Peace and love to World War II. Um, we went we went from like fucking muskets to dropping atom bombs. And you read the history, you watch Oppenheimer, if you will, and you realize how like we were actually just a bunch of bumbling idiots. Mm-hmm. And nothing really makes as much sense for this big technological boom in both weaponry and just everyday technology and just advancements, then like we got a hold of some shit because it's what I I didn't want to interrupt you, but then you, (laughs) you you stopped talking. So I could interrupt you. Yeah. I'm going to say it's fucking, it's nothing makes sense like that. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, FDR sold our souls as the American people to get the technology needed for the atom bomb. Yeah, some would say, girls, some then would say. Truman took his ass out, and he picked up where he left off, and then we went straight into the Cold War. So, um, so you know. You know? So, daily, <laughs> daily he, independent. Was he really at the fucking <laughs> dentist? You know what I mean? Was he really at the fucking dentist? No, he dentist? wasn't. That's what the I'm biggest saying. lie. The biggest lie. Where was Truman then? Hmm? He did not go to the fucking dentist. You don't go to the dentist when you're a president. They fucking come to you. Get out of my face. Also, I've seen those teeth. That man hasn't seen a dentist in a very long time. No. So, Daily Independent Journal from San Rafael, California, July 29th, 1952. Excerpt. 
Reports of saucers have kept police, Air Force, and Weather Bureau telephones jangling for several days recently in wildly scattered localities. In Key West, Florida, the Navy said it was investigating accounts by several sailors who said they saw a saucer while attending an outdoor movie. And near Cleveland, Ohio, three observers of Operation Skywatch reported spotting floating lights which rapidly changed color and dodged in and out of the clouds, finally, finally vanishing into the south. You know Operation Skywatch is just seven divorced dads sitting out in their backyard drinking a PBR looking at the sky. That's exactly what Neighborhood Watch is. Do you remember like Neighborhood Watch signs as a little kid where it had yeah. that guy that he looked like the criminal? Yep. Yeah. The Neighborhood Watch. Divorced yep. dads near you looking for <laughs> communists. <laughs> no, so my dad got pulled into it, and I remember thinking it was so cool because I thought it was some real organization, and it's nothing. It's literally just my dad had a beer. Mm-hmm. You want to know? He changed none of his habits whatsoever. The sad thing is that the modern day neighborhood watch is the neighborhood app, and I assume that the functionality and the reporting has not changed. It's every 15 minutes. Was that a gunshot? Was that a gunshot? Clearly fireworks on the 4th of <laughs> July. Is that Sometimes a, you can't tell though. Gunshot? No, you can tell with these. Sometimes or, you can't. Sometimes it's you just can't. like a fucking kid walking down the street with his backpack at like 3.30 school's gotten out and they're like suspicious youths wandering by my house and it's just like, come the fuck on you stupid bitch. I was actually shown a neighborhood post that was someone complaining that people in the neighborhood were throwing dog poop out in the trash cans, specifically her trash cans. And everyone was like, huh? I'm so sorry. What? And she was like, that's your dog's poop and it needs to be in your trash can. And I wish that I was a part of her community because I would have pinpointed her. And I would have taken a shit on her front lawn and lit it on fire. Yeah, I've been scolded before for putting bagged poop. Like, especially if the trash cans are, like, on the street. If they're not on the street or they're not, like, within a step or two. Otherwise, I'm not going to be bothered. But if they're, like, right fucking there. And I've been scolded before, too. And I'm like... Don't... Yeah, what like, do you want? Do you hand clean your trash can every yeah, day? Like, it's like, what do you- I don't... I don't mind carrying it. It's in a bag. It's just cumbersome. Like, I'm not grossed out. Also, it's going to the same place. Like, what the fuck is the problem here? Also, if you have a problem with someone putting dog bagged dog shit in your trash can, you should think about where your water comes from. Okay? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because Noel's shitting in your water. I'm shitting in your water. I (laughs) don't know what everyone's fucking problem is. But anyway, that's the neighborhood watch today. And it's not as cool as it was in the 50s where it was a bunch of drunk dads screaming at the sky about communism. Like the good old days. Like the good old days. You know, actually, I still think a lot of drunk dads are screaming about communism. But now it's socialism. You know? History repeats itself. It always does. You don't pay attention. It's doomed to repeat itself. (laughs) Um, Okay. Ooh, the Salt Lake Tribune. Mm -hmm. Salt Lake City. Utah. July 23rd, 1952. The Soviet embassy Tuesday denied any connection with flying saucers seen in the area. Vladimir L. Lomovisif. Lomo, I feel how, it doesn't matter. You know. 
<laughs> I'm not, you know, here's the thing. I don't care about the pronunciation of Russian names and you heard it her first. I, just I think don't. I did okay with it. I think you nailed it. I got it right until the V at the end of it. Um, yeah. What? At the end of the Attach shit. Attach. 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 At the embassy was asked by a reporter if the strange objects seen in the sky recently were of Soviet origin. He first say said, it. What? You have, say, say it in what? a Russian accent. I can't do a Russian accent. There's, there's like, you. it's four words. I don't remember what Russian sound like. I don't either, but I feel like I want to do like a Dracula accent. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Also, that wasn't me asking, that was me saying the fucking class. Oh my god. God, now that I'm crying. I know my fucking oh my eyes are watering. So anyway, after that, he then added firmly, no. <laughs> Oh, my fucking God. Uh, <laughs> I literally didn't even remember what Dracula sounded like. So I just thought of, like, I bought the song. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, fucking Count Chocula. Just the caricature of an entire region of people. Oh, they're both, God. like, they're both, like, Eastern Europe, right? I don't, girl, I went to public school. I don't I know. I know. I don't feel bad about hurting uh, Dracula's feelings either. I feel if, less about hurting Dracula's feelings than I do hurting Russian dialect feelings. If someone put a fucking gun to my head, even if they flashed a map of the world at me and let me look at it for three seconds, and then they pulled it away, and then they just said, like, where is the UK? Where is England? I would be like, hey, pull the fucking trigger. <laughs> yeah, I <would> just, <laughs> even if I, like, picked it out i would still not trust myself and the amount of knowledge that i have lost over the years i have no fucking idea because you know what they made me do to graduate eighth grade not only Mm -hmm. did they make me remember something i what was it it was like the fucking bill of rights or something they made us fucking recite it stupid losers they also made us do every state of the united states and its capital which, first of all, seems good in the moment, but then when you like leave school in America, you go, "Holy fucking shit, that was fucking useless." Because yeah, I can I can tell you that the capital of California is Sacramento, but I can't name more than seven countries without taking thirty five minutes to yeah. think about it real fucking hard. I think in seventh grade, I had to learn every county in Utah. That's embarrassing. See, that's, that's a, a stupid, waste right? of fucking knowledge. That, that is a waste, is a waste. of time. 
That but some of the, I, the, I don't remember all of the capitals, but I like my favorite one is uh, New Jersey's is Trenton because Trenton got a New Jersey. And, you know, that's why we should, as citizens paying taxes, be able to choose where our money goes to so we can continue <laughs> to fund things like education. Um, that's why when I tell my in-laws that we're not having children, they should say thank you. So, You know how fucking many times it took me to pass my, like, timed times table quiz? It got to the point where the teacher was like, hey, if you even do 85% of them in, in the three minutes, I'll pass you. He just got to fucking give me something. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> it's one of those where my mom would come in and be like, she's really smart. She she's just really doesn't good apply at, herself. Yeah. My mom would be like, she's really good with other things. <laughs> like, <laughs> like collecting don't, rocks outside. Yeah. <laughs> don't judge a fish by its ability to fly. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I was actually a super smart, good kid, but then it all immediately went out of my brain the second that society crushed me in the real world. Um, I'm so sorry, Chelsea. Did you or did you not have a teaching assistant who was with you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had a handler. Through... Oh, okay. Just that had nothing to, to do with like the intelligence. That had to do with the fact that I thought that if I didn't chew my food a certain amount of times that I would die. So some would say yeah. You're right. You're right. But so, anyway. Hey, Noel. Yeah. I think it's time. I think it's high time. We rekindle our passion for what truly sets our podcast apart. So let's plunge back into exploring those declassified CIA documents. Oh, the my treasure favorite. Yeah. An actual these are the fairy tales that we should have been told as children. They are fascinating stories with intriguing tidbits hidden in those pages just waiting for us to uncover and share with you all. And it's this kind of deep dive into the secrets of the past that really brings out the essence of the show. So let's roll up our sleeves and start sifting through those documents to find captivating, lesser-known gems, specifically CIA document OOW23682, a.k.a. the Flying Saucers in East Germany report. And I'm going to read it because it's not that long. Oh, I can't wait. I love reading CIA documents. You know, just 75 pages in, four paragraphs (laughs) down, briefly, uncovering the truth. This one's like a story, and it's only um, four pages. Oh, slay. Yeah. And the first page is only like half a page. So it's literally called Flying Saucers in East Germany. So Berlin, July. Furnished with the sworn testimony of an eyewitness, Oscar Lenke, a 46-year-old German and former mayor of Gleimerhausen, West Berlin, (laughs) intelligence office have begun investigating a most unusual flying saucer story. According to the story, an object resembling a huge flying pan and having a diameter of about 15 meters landed in a forest clearing in the Soviet zone of Germany. Linky recently escaped from the Soviet zone along with his wife and six children. Linky and his 11-year-old daughter, Gabriella, made the following sworn statement last week before a judge. Quote, While I was returning to my home with Gabriella, a tire of my motorcycle blew out near the town of Hasselbach. Perfect. While we were walking towards Hasselbach, 
Gabriella pointed out something which lay at a distance of about 140 meters away from us. Since it was twilight, I thought that she was pointing at a young deer. I left my motorcycle near a tree and walked toward the spot which Gabriella had pointed out. When, however, I reached a spot about 55 meters from the object, I realized that my first impression had been wrong. What I had seen were two men who were now about 40 meters away from me. They seemed to be dressed in some shiny metallic clothing. They were stooped over and were looking at something lying on the ground. I approached until I was only about 10 meters from them. I looked over a small fence and then I noticed a large object whose diameter I estimated to be between 13 and 15 meters. It looked like a huge frying pan. There were two rows of holes on its periphery and about 30 centimeters in circumference. The space between the two rows was about 9.15 meters on, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> I lost my spot. There was about, there was space between the rows about 0.45 meters. And on top of this metal object was a black conical tower about three meters high. At that moment, my daughter, who had remained a short distance behind me, called me. And the two men must have heard my daughter's voice because they immediately jumped on the conical tower and disappeared inside. I'd previously noted that one of the men had a lamp in, on the front part of his body, which lit up at regular intervals. And now the side of the object on which the holes had been opened began to glitter. Its color seemed to be green, but later turned to red. And at the same time, I began to hear a slight hum. While the brightness and hum increased, the conical tower began to slide down into the center of the object. And the whole object then began to rise slowly from the ground and rotate like a top. It seemed to me as if it were supported by the cylindrical plant, which had gone down from the top of the object through the center and now had disappeared from its bottom on the ground. The object, surrounded by a ring of flames, was now a certain number of feet above the ground. I then noted that the whole object had risen slowly from the ground. The cylinder on which it was supported had now disappeared within its center and had reappeared on the top of the object. The rate of climb had now become greater. At the same time, my daughter and I heard a whistling sound, similar to that heard when a bomb fell. The object rose to a horizontal position, turned toward a neighboring town, and then, gaining altitude, it disappeared over the heights and forest in the direction of Stockheim. Many other persons who live in the same area as Linky later reported that they saw an object which they thought to be a comet. Shepard stated that he thought that he was looking at a comet moving away at a low altitude from the height on which Linky stood. And after submitting his testimony to the judge, Linky made the following statement. I would have thought that both my daughter and I were dreaming if it were not for the following element involved. When the object had disappeared, I went to the place where it had been, and I found a circular opening in the ground, and it was quite evident that it was freshly dug. It was exactly the same shape as the conical tower, and I was then convinced that I was not dreaming. Linky continued, I had never heard of the term flying saucer before I escaped from the Soviet zone in West Berlin. When I saw this object, I immediately thought that it was a new Soviet military machine. And I confess that I was seized with fright because the Soviets do not want anyone to know about their work. Many persons have been restricted to their movements for many years in East Germany because they know too much. Now, the site of the object on which the holes had been opened began to... Oh, what the fuck? No, Wait. that's it. I feel like it just repeated itself. Hold on. The scanning on this is not good. I was going to say, I can't believe you're able to read this because it's literally a scanned document and it's so fucking blown out. Yeah. It, it's also repeated. Like how it says, I confess that they know too much. It says end. And then there's like another page that's rescanned behind it. Anyway, that's it. 
that's a CIA document. And then here, Noel, you can see the um, sketch that Linky had made. Oh, wow. Yep. That's one hell of a sketch. One hell of a sketch, baby. Yeah, it kind of looks like Napoleon Dynamite did it. Yeah, it sure fucking does. It also kind of looks like uh, maybe a, a little bit. A Bigfoot sighting or a zoom in on like Charlie Brown's shoe. Oh, you're so fucking right. Yeah. So we'll have to attach this with <laughs> sometimes we like have all these pictures. I'm like, oh, we should put them up with the episode notes. And then we never do. Yeah, we never be better about that. <laughs> so Oscar Linky's harrowing experience left him in a, st- a state of deep terror, convinced that he had stumbled upon a clandestine Soviet military project. In his encounter with what he initially did not recognize as a flying saucer, a term like you said, he only became familiar with after fleeing to the safety of West Germany, was a profound and unsettling revelation. In East Germany, during the tense Cold War era, stories circulated about severe restrictions and even arrests for those who inadvertently discovered or got too close to such secretive Soviet operations. You know, my grandma escaped uh, East Germany during this time as well. Wow, slay to her. So Oscar himself confessed did confess to being overwhelmed with fear, aware that Soviet authorities went to great lengths to conceal their activities. He knew that in East Germany, being privy to too much information could severely limit one's freedom or worse. And his flight to West Germany was not just a journey to physical safety, but also an escape from regime where knowing too much could be perilous. And the fate that might have awaited Oscar had he remained in Soviet-controlled territory and spoken of his experience is a matter of speculation. But we all know what the fucking Soviets did to people uh, at the time. Uh, So his story, if not for his escape, might have been lost in time, obscured by the iron curtain of secrecy that enveloped the region. And I say probably still, especially it's Vladimir Putin's Russia. Yeah. Uh, And the true nature of Oscar's encounter, whether it was an extraterrestrial visitation or something else, does remain a topic of debate. But the details of its encounter bear similarities to other UFO sightings in that area. And interestingly enough, the recent declassification of the CIA documents relating to his story suggests that it was not fabricated as propaganda against the Soviet Union, but rather a genuine, mysterious event that has only recently come to light. And this revelation adds a compelling chapter to the complex tapestry of Cold War history, one that intertwines the world of UFO phenomena with the shadowy undercurrents of international espionage and state secrecy. In the history of UFO sightings over Germany, especially post the Berlin Wall fall in 1989, is rich and varied. Prior to this, during the 30s and the 40s, reports of strange crafts and lights were already surfacing. A notable, albeit unverified, incident occurred in 1936 in the Black Forest, involving a mysterious crash reportedly recovered by Hitler's SS. This led to speculation about Nazi attempts at reverse engineering alien technology evident by their development of experimental, sometimes saucer-shaped aircraft during World War II. In the Black Forest, we could honestly do a full fucking episode on, because that's got some shit in it, too. Mm. Um, Another thing we could do a full episode on is that during World War II, pilots across the skies of Europe reported strange phenomenon known as Foo Fighters. Mysterious Mysterious lights and orbs whose origins remain unknown. These sightings sparked debates on whether they were linked to advanced Nazi technology. And after the war, many Nazi scientists were divided between the Soviets and Americans, but some vanished, deepening the mystery of their research. They went to Argentina and Antarctica. Not a mystery to me. Um, I'm so sorry. After you said um, they reported Foo Fighters, 
Everlong just played in my fucking <laughs> head throughout everything you just said. Dude, I was so good. So Everlong, remember how I told you that that comic shop I worked at would play um, the anime music videos? Everlong was one of them, and I think they had it set to Final Fantasy X. That's so funny. I always just see it. Yeah. That's so sick. Okay. Anyway. So high ranking UK military officers and other allied forces were reportedly well aware of these mysterious crafts. The need for secrecy was partly due to wartime security measures, but there was also a profound fear of inciting panic amongst the general population. And such panic could have been exploited by adversaries like the Nazi regime. It is believed that Winston Churchill, concerned about the potential impact on public morale and religious beliefs, discussed these phenomenon extensively with U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt. These discussions, focusing on, quote, non-terrestrial science and technology, end quote, highlighted the awareness and concern at the highest levels of government. Reports suggest that the U.S. has been documenting UFO encounters since the beginning of World War II indicating a long-standing and widespread acknowledgement of these unexplained sightings. This secretive approach reflects the complex interplay of wartime strategy, public perception management, and the mysterious nature of these phenomena themselves. I think that we were tracking and documenting reporting before World War II. I just think we got it together then. Like, I think that there was probably maybe four fucking dudes in one area of the office whose job was investigating unidentified aerial phenomenon or just unidentified objects. Yeah. And then when shit started getting a little crazier, I think that's when, which just so happened to be around World War II, that's when we started to, like, organize with funding and bigger departments and, you know what I mean? I, I, I 100% agree. And I think also there was a cultural shift and a technology shift where prior to this, UFOs were probably more seen as religious phenomena. Yeah, that's or, so true. Um, and then like kind of bleeding into what we do now, like, oh, you see it, you must be a drunk. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. the way yeah. that we uh, skew people who maybe are, well, not so much anymore, but we still maybe partially, but the way we askew people who see UFOs into being like the, the Southern white trash. Yeah. Uh, Guy paradigm. screams at sky. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because we did go from like this ancient alien religious or like metaphysical explanation. And then it turned into military explanation. Yeah. Like as long as we have had, mouths to open and ears to listen we've been explaining it as different things the only difference is when it was able to be kind of bubbled in with military shit and technological advances we were trying to capitalize on it because we're driven by money and power Mm -hmm. um and that's when you get more organized versions of like information collecting and dare i say if the government's saying it, it's not fucking true, which is why yeah. I didn't buy anything that, that congressional report that came out earlier. I think that was just a huge red herring for what was really going on. And we're going to talk about it because we've been doing it. <laughs> so let's dive into a little bit of what uh, CIA propaganda looks like. 
So the United States took this level of paranoia very seriously as we move further into the Cold War. And Oscar Linke's wasn't the only encounter we thought we needed to squash. During the peak of UFO sightings, with these sightings during public interest, the CIA's Office of Scientific Intelligence brought together a group of non-military scientists led by Caltech's Howard Percy Robertson. Their task was to delve into the Air Force UFO records dating back to 1947, which culminated in the Robertson panel meeting in January 1953. Simultaneously, Project Blue Book, an Air Force initiative that began in 1952, was also investigating the UFO sightings. And after scrutinizing various reports, including a 1950 sighting in Montana, the panel concluded that many of these incidents had mundane explanations like sunlight reflecting off jet surfaces. Mm-hmm. Lies, Mary. The fear, as John Greenwald Jr. from the Black Vault pointed out, was that public hysteria over UFOs could overwhelm government resources. Nick Pope, a former UK military or former UK Ministry of Defense UFO program official, highlighted concerns about Soviet exploitation of this hysteria for psychological warfare. The Robertson Report, released in 1975, suggested educational programs to debunk UFO myths, stating that, quote, such a program could tend to reduce the current gullibility of the public and their susceptibility to clever, hostile propaganda. And this thing is fucking dense. It is 30 pages of suggestions on how to take actual UFO sightings and then subsequently use the media to change the public's opinion about them through propaganda. Also, yeah. it's so fucking sick to think that, like, um, Russia would have been, like, Americans are freaking out about aliens, man. We just got to keep it pumping. We just, <laughs> just got to keep bringing hot bitches over there who are like, what do you guys think about aliens? Like that, that's Russia's big fucking plan. That's how they were going to get us is just a bunch of like hot bimbo spies who are into aliens and UFOs right. and cryptids. They just drop them over here. And, and that's where we are today. Honestly, I think it was successful. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're allowing bullshit to happen. Must be Russia. Mm -hmm. So this, these ideas and suggestions from the Robertson Report led to a 1966 Walter Cronkite TV special, as noted by Leslie Kahn, author of UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record, who mentioned a panel member's involvement in organizing this show. From History.com, quote, we have a record that one of the people on the Robertson panel wrote a letter to another person who was on the Robertson panel, says Khan. And he said that he, quote, helped organize the CBS TV show around the Robertson panel conclusions. Just as the panel has suggested, the program focused on debunking UFO sightings. Dude, they even got fucking Walt Disney involved in this shit. Walt Disney loved Hitler, so sure, of course. Yeah, he was just ready to be an ass whenever he could. And later, the Condon Committee, established by the Air Force and led by physicist Edward U. Condon, conducted a comprehensive review of Project Blue Book. And the findings echoed the Robertson panel that downplayed UFO threats in advising the cessation of Project Blue Book in 1969. And there's speculation that not all UFO data, especially sensitive sightings, were fully disclosed to these panels. A 1969 memo by Brigadier General Carol H. Bolender hinted at ongoing investigations of sightings posing national security threats. 
In Post Blue Book, the CIA revealed that many 1950s and 60s UFO reports were linked to U-2 and Oxcart spy flights. According to CIA historian Gerald K. Haynes, Blue Book often attributed these sightings to this natural phenomenon in order to mass secret missions. So again, from history.com, quote, Because the government didn't want the public to know about these clandestine flights, members of Project Blue Book would often explain away such sightings as by linking them to natural phenomena such as ice crystals and temperature inversions, writes Carol K. Haynes, a historian for the CIA's National Reconnaissance Office. In 2014, the CIA smugly fucking tweeted about the ruse, saying, Remember reports of the unusual activity in the skies in the 50s? That was us. Fucking. The only cool thing about the CIA getting Twitter is tweets like this, though. Because I... Dude. I did just get a, like, Apple News notification on my phone that was like, CIA lies about JFK assassination. And I was like, yeah, no fucking shit. And I just can't wait for their, like, underpaid temp who runs social media to be like lol jfk's brain question mark who knows it's like the emoji of like the hands up in the air like that's the only fucking cool thing about um corporations having twitter here's the thing that gets me is that it's come so full circle again to all these ufo sightings were happening specifically stuff that the CIA knew about that was coming out of Germany. And they're like, we think that Soviet Russia is doing this. So they come up with this entire plan to spin UFO sightings as Soviet propaganda. Meanwhile, they continue to investigate authentic sightings, despite Project Blue Book going defunct. And then they brag about how they knew about the phenomena and all the covering up later. Like it's some kind of cute joke. Yeah. And they're doing it still. That's why I don't buy anything with the congressional reports because anytime they own up to something, it's because something deeper is happening. And I dare say that the Robertson report of like how to use propaganda to get us less paranoid about the state of the world is still fucking happening. I mean, yes. I would also like to think though that the congressional hearings, the UAP congressional hearings were kind of like a like not a red herring. I think that there was truth to it, but I think it was to hint at something even bigger than that. Not necessarily to distract us from like current world events that are, you know, atrocities, <clears throat> but that something related to artificial intelligence or UAPs is that that's even bigger than anything the conspiracies are really talking about is going to happen. I think it's yes. like desensitization rather than I would, distraction propaganda. I would agree with that specifically because we've seen it before with like Area 51 where mm-hmm. they'll let everybody believe about Area 51. They will hook, line, and sinker buy into like all the alien stuff. Even with Roswell, you went to Roswell and you said it was just like all alien. It's like a fucking everywhere. alien McDonald's. And it's because we will buy into that and subscribe to it and become desensitized to the fact that a military aircraft went down and then our president sold our souls to the fucking gray aliens so that they could abduct us and we would in turn get a lot of their technology. Um, meanwhile, the big, sh- like we're also desensitized to that, but meanwhile, the big shit's happening with like what fucking Project Harp. This is where yeah. I go in the sauce of conspiracy. Yeah. People are like, well, what mean- do you think about. 5g and i'm like it's not the 5g god damn it it's yeah. so much other stuff 
Yeah, you got to stop worrying. The 5G is nothing to fucking do with it. The 5G is the least of your fucking worries. I welcome the 5G into my life because at least it has a benefit of faster internet. Whereas, you know, controlling the natural disasters that are happening around the world is totally different. Speaking of, like, fucking Iceland is having, like, 3,000 goddamn earthquakes in a day. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're getting ready to fucking brace for a goddamn volcanic eruption. I think Italy was getting shooken up, too, and they're worried about that fucking volcano erupting. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just a little suspicious to me. And how just kidding, kind of, though, not really. (laughs) Yeah, and then... Dude, it's like the, I don't know. It's always like, be wary of what get they choose to tell you because it usually means that something way fucking worse is happening. Well, and that's and the T. If they're willing to say, like, UFO, they're like, yeah, UFOs are real. You guys, sorry, UFOs are real. Like, the fact that they're saying that, they're, they're quote unquote saying the quiet thing out loud, then what actually is the thing? If that's what yep. that if that's what it's morphed to, where they could just say that, and no one cares, it almost feels like like a little bit of a test. It was like a litmus test to see like where we were at, like what public reaction would be, and it's exactly what they thought. Oh, we've exhausted this population down to the point where shit like this doesn't even phase them. No one fucking cares. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's what you don't say. It's like the lying by omission. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, speaking of truths that everyone should know, in the link tree in all of our bios, we're at Go to Hell Podcast. I'm at Noel Fane. That is at Sith Lord. You can find links to our Patreon. Dollar gets you in. You can find links to our merch. 100% of proceeds are donated. You can find links to Kelly Holloran or at Wildwood Owl on Etsy. She makes cool shit for us and she makes cool shit in general. You know, what's funny is my mom put up this like, cause I have like stickers and pictures and Polaroids and photo booth printouts all over my house with no rhyme or reason. She got me this little thing that's in my kitchen that like pins and clips all the pictures and shit. And she clipped our Furby sticker on there. And so I look at it like all the time while I'm cooking mm-hmm. and Every day that I look at it, I just pick out more and more little details that like Kelly added to it to make it like very uniquely us. And I'm like, she's a fucking talented girl. She's so she's fucking so good. Fucking talented. So anyway, anyway, people ask me for anything. I say, let me tell you who you need to go to. Cause sometimes yeah. people look at my shitty Photoshop nonsense and I'm like, no, 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 no. I am not a professional. Yeah. Go to the professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also find links to our Discord server and our Facebook group for the boomers. Just honestly, don't even. And I don't know why you need it because you're hearing us right now, but links to anywhere you can listen to uh, links to listen to us, which is anywhere podcasts are heard. Jesus Christ. Wah. All right. I think <sighs> it's about time you and I go re up on our medicine because yep. this was rough for both of us. Yep. The coughing and the muting. The mucus that I coughed up <laughs> could build a house. So. Man, yeah, we were struggling. Mute, came, mute, you know what? Hail the mute button on Big time <laughs> mute. Big time mute episode. Okay, oh let's get God. the fuck out of here. Bye. Bye.